That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm happy to hear that, Eli. Um, so yeah, why don't we just start with like introductions and you guys tell me a little bit about, you know, what, um, tell me a little bit about who you are and, and, um, yeah, like what's going on nowadays. All right, we can do nose goes to see what goes on, okay? One, two, three, nose goes. <laughs> on the bottom right here. I'm not sure who's on the bottom right here. Spaz uh, you go first. Love go first or... Spaz you yeah. go first. You can go first. Go, go first. Oh, right. Eli, yeah, I think um... you're a little bit close to the mic, man. We're getting some some breathing. Yeah. So um, I'm Spaz Hand. You guys might have seen me on the Discord in the fitness and diet um, channel. Um, thanks so much, Dr. K. Um, since getting therapy... I've changed a lot and I'm awesome, now in man. school. <laughs> I'm doing an, an apprenticeship as well as my degree at the same time. That's so, awesome. Um, I feel like this is finally the time that I'm going to get my degree and I feel like I'm changing a lot. Um, in terms of my experience in mental health, um, I come from an African Christian background in the UK and a lot of it is it's either demons or monkeys or it's either, um, I don't know, like we they don't, they don't believe in it. It's like a, a thing that doesn't exist. Yep. So um, it's either just pray about it or um, just man up. Yep. So I'm, it's, it, it might be something of a, of a male thing or it might be something of something in the black and Christian community. But um, ever since watching your stream and getting the confidence and to say that, okay, I'm going to get therapy and getting it through my company, which is, which I'm so happy about. Um, I've seen so much of a change. So it's through something called CBT, uh, cognitive yeah. behavioral therapy, if anyone's heard of it. And it's like changing thoughts and like automatic negative thoughts. And I feel like that's really helped as well as psychiatry as well. Shout out to Dr. K as well. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, what was your name again? Um, Raymond. Raymond. Uh, Ray. Okay. Whichever, whichever one. Okay. Cool, man. Thank you very much for sharing. Who's no next? Problem. Uh, I can go next. Thanks, man. Uh, so my name is Akin, A-K-I-N. Um, sometimes people struggle with that. Could go by my gamer tag, Rathi, too. I don't really care. But, um, yeah, so I guess just a little bit about myself. I guess what I'm doing right now, I mean, I'm not doing, I'm not technically working, uh, you know, COVID and all that. But, um I've been trying to use the time off of work to uh, work on, like, work on any everything I care about, but primarily programming. Um, cool. I used to work in the software industry. Uh, then I got fired for being um, a lazy piece of shit. And so I'm trying to not be lazy so i figure if i can like work on a project by myself and like accomplish something i i would be pretty confident that i could like work any job um and at least get my work done and that kind of thing sure, so that, that's where i'm at right now hmm. okay thanks for oh, saying, and, uh, sharing Akin. yeah oh uh, also i just mentioned i also come from an african christian background too so I feel you, man. <laughs> cool. All right. Eli, you want to go? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I also come from African Christian. 
and uh it's a very common thing to have the same mental health thing i'm very lucky that my mom's a nurse so mental health has always been a thing that was paid attention to in my family and she attempted to get me diagnosed when i was very young because my older brother also dealt with depression and bipolar disorder and things of that nature so i was diagnosed with depression and anxiety i think it was about seven to, or to 12 years old probably more i think about seven years old and i've dealt with a lot of so in Nigeria, I'm Nigerian, and Nigerian culture abuse is a very common thing. It's okay to beat your children, and without much care for the um, pain in which they will go through and the long-term effects of that. Even now, I'm only like actually recognizing the long-term effects of that. Much of like relating to the experience, if there's feeling like a lazy piece of shit. Um, sorry to use that's the quote, yeah. but um, it was the kind of struggle in which I had, where I wasn't really able to convey that. I wasn't valuing the work that I was doing because academia, I like learning things. Like I can show you all the books I read in my free time, but because of the fact that the, when you don't do well in school in, in my, like in my household, you get beaten. Like, and I would make mistakes a lot. And I had insomnia because my brain like runs at 10 miles an hour. So it's very hard for me to sleep consistently. So that it was really hard for me to adapt to that when I was a kid. So I'd sleep in this class and that my teachers called me lazy. I got in trouble a lot. Like, me scratching myself and stuff like that got me in trouble one time. So I, every time I got in trouble for anything, I had to get a red slip. And when I bring the red slip home, then it would lead to me getting beaten. So I'll be in class crying and things over a red slip. My teacher thinks I'm just a, a child crying over getting in trouble when in reality, because I'm getting like beaten at home. And that's something that I still haven't really unpacked yet. But being Nigerian and recognizing these long-term effects, that because I think my um, depression, my anxiety uh, stems from a situational thing. I wasn't maybe a natural like inclination because I, if I had been in a better situation, maybe I wouldn't be dealing with the things in which I do deal with. But I think that much of what my experiences as a black person has been feeling that life isn't really worth living simply because of the color of my skin and the things I've had to experience. And I went to a predominantly white high school. I wasn't born here. I was born in Nigeria and I came in, I was around three years old. And my mom is someone, because of being Nigerian, I think you may have heard this already. And if, I don't know if you guys know other Nigerian people, but it's this desire to be white, desire for whiteness. Not so to look white because they still want you to retain your about or Nigerian culture, but they want the, like, the conception of whiteness as an ideology to follow into. And my mom was always happy when I married, like if I, about the idea of me dating a white girl or being uh, more <laughs> into like academia or being more into going to like she wants she sees me in the white house she's always told me things like this and it it helped me at times to see that she believed in me but it also felt toxic in the sense that like if i didn't do well i get beaten and when i did do well she'd tell me she's proud of me but it stopped being like the the rewards didn't feel like they weighed into the like negatives the negatives always felt way more than the rewards and that thing i feel like now i've realized recently because i was very depressed over the past like four months of beginning, not the past four months, three months of coronavirus when everything was happening. Cause I've, I'm a natural empath. I have a bad habit of taking like the pain of others into myself. But I realized around that time and I also wasn't even able to focus on school. And I just got so tired of being in school. And cause I'm a, I'm a, I was a sophomore going to be a junior, but I was a sophomore in college, 20 years old. But um, I realized that the abuse in which I face makes it really hard for me to be able to stick to things because I, st I get bored of them very quickly. I'm not sure if that's his natural inclination, but I'm trying to consider the possibility, the possibility now that because of what I had to experience growing up, it became very hard for me to express myself fully and also be able to um, feel like 
school or any kind of project that was creative was worthwhile. I used to write a lot of poetry and draw a lot when I was growing up as a kid, and that helped me feel better when I was very depressed. But situations changed, and I felt out of being able to do that. But to keep things simple, being like um, as simple as I could be, being black never really felt like a like a worthwhile thing, especially when I learned about police brutality and things like that growing up, and learning about social justice, and learning about everything that was going on in the world, and how difficult it can be simply just because of the color of your skin. Cool, man. Thanks for that intro, Eli. Who wants to go next? Mo, you can if you want. Oh, muted. We got another boomer on here. <laughs> if you need some time, I can go. Uh, you're very quiet and a little bit laggy. Oh, sorry. Hang on. Let me try something. How's my microphone now? Is that okay? Oh, perfect. Yeah, why don't you go, man? Awesome. Yeah, so thank you very much for having me on the stream, first and foremost. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure and an honor to talk to you. Uh, my name is Mo. I go by AGBH, short for a great big hug. Uh, I'm 26. I'm from Ontario, Canada. Uh, born and raised here. Family's from North Africa, Libya. Uh, and I have type 2 bipolar as well. Um, it's tough. Yeah, I struggle with my identity all the time growing up. I've been told I'm not black enough. I've been told I'm too white. I've been told I'm not Arabic enough, all that type of stuff. And uh, it's difficult dealing with the stigmas behind uh, mental health, uh, especially in your own community. Um, you get told everything, just pray more, uh, change your diet, you know, don't believe in the voodoo stuff, all that type of shit. But uh, it's, 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 I think my biggest struggle personally is just the stigmas behind mental health and coming to terms with it, especially within my own community. Cool, thanks. So do you prefer AGBH or Mo? Mo works. Mo works. Okay. Um, cool, man. Uh, How about now? Uh, can you hear me better now? Yeah, a little bit better. Is there any way you can turn up your volume a little bit? Um, I can try to just talk louder. Is oh, great. Is working better or am I still? Okay. Um, my name is Julian. Uh, I'm a second year mechanical engineer student. Um, I've been diagnosed with like depression and anxiety, but I'm doing a lot better now. And mostly thanks to you, but also like my therapist as well. Like she's been really helpful. Um, but yeah, I'm just taking time during the quarantine, just get better and work on myself and stuff. Cool. Basically. Yeah. yeah uh, Julian, you're still crackling a little bit or, or do you guys hear him crackling? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can yeah, try yeah, turning yeah. off your oh. video for yeah. a little bit. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Oh, that was beautiful, what, whatever he said there. Just oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what happened. but Yeah, that works. I don't know what's wrong. Okay, so um, thank you guys very much for, uh, you know, so you guys say you're all grateful to be here. I'm grateful to have you guys. I, I mean, I think the feeling is absolutely mutual. Um so let me just offer a couple of thoughts and then maybe get us started. So the first thought that I want to say is that, you know, we're here to talk about, uh, you know, the intersection of basically like race and mental health. And the first thing that I want to point out is that um, I, I, I think it's, you know, it's interesting that you guys have some things that you kind of share in terms of your perspective around or your experience of mental health and, and what you sort of gain from your culture. The first thing that I want to say, though, is that I, I don't... I feel like most of what we're going to talk about is not going to be restricted to black people. Like, I, you know, I, I know that when I went to India for the first time, like there was a guy who had schizophrenia, but I, I studied at an ashram or a monastery. And basically, like people thought he was possessed by a demon. 
and, and uh, you know, and that's, that's, that's like the way that they interpret that. So I, I think that yeah. like, you know, there are a lot of different cultures that have stigma against mental health. I think um, I'm hearing a lot of struggles around identity, which I, I don't think is specific to a particular race or even, even race in general. And at the same time, you know, there are certainly common themes about like religion and conceptions of mental health and the way that you guys were taught, the way that people around you conceptualize, like what were the challenges that you faced and what kind of labels and treatment you got because of your struggles. Um, and so I, I just, you know, I think that there's like sort of a, a tension there between what applies to everyone. And at the end of the day, I think that, um, you know, different people of different ethnicities have fundamentally different experiences in life and people of different genders have different experiences of life. But I think what's really cool about us and in our community is that what brings us together is far greater than what, you know, separates us. Um, so I, I just kind of wanted to toss that out. Uh, and you guys can jump in kind of at any time. Does anybody like, does anybody want to comment or reflect on that? Or um, I've got a couple I agree. of I, I agree completely. I think you're absolutely right. I think the intersectionality is not only within the black community, but in so many cultures and communities across the globe. Uh, even when it comes into things like religion, that affects a lot of communities and cultures too. So I absolutely agree with you as well. Yeah, cool. Definitely agree. Many of my like my closest friends are. Can you move forward, Eli? Oh, <laughs> many of my friends are of different races for the very fact that we all relate to the same childhood experiences regardless of where we come from or, or, or like overarching cultural narrative this may have been. Cool. Yeah. So, so there are three basic themes that I, I kind of heard maybe a couple people like tying together. One is a sense of like identity. Like I thought it was interesting how, you know, Eli was, I, I wonder Eli, if you were basically rewarded for being things that people around you thought was quote unquote more white. And, and yes, you know, like it's, it's kind of interesting, right? So like that, that, that you weren't rewarded for being you, you were rewarded for being what they wanted you to be. Yeah. And that happened a lot in school as well. So no matter where I went, it was the same kind of thing. And that's where code switching was always a thing I had to comprehend since I, I was a child. So when you're precocious, I think many other guys in here can understand this, when you're a precocious person of color, and I think here in the Boston, I'm in Boston, here in Boston, especially it, it's the kind of thing where you get compliments on, wow, your English is so good. Or wow, you're really smart for dot, dot, dot. Or like <laughs> when I say I'm from Nigeria, I have these white kids from Southie, South Boston say, so when you have, don't you guys live in huts? Don't you guys live in teepees? Like Nigeria, I'm from Lagos, one of the most developed parts of West Africa. And like the conception of what it means to be African or what it means to be Nigerian, just it just, it was always right in the forefront of my head. And because of that, I had the constant experience of being seen as a bush boy, like quote unquote bush boy. This is a thing in my in my culture. A bush boy is like someone who is um how do I say how do I describe this in English? Someone who is not raised uh properly. And you see that as your baseline level. So when you perform above that, you see that, oh wow. You're, you're you're so intelligent and i thought that it was a really weird thing to experience but i, I tried to learn to take pride in it but i can never really take pride in it because i had peers who were not treated the same peers who are black and people of color in general but especially the black guys in my grades they weren't treated the same way simply because of the fact that they 
didn't have that same way with words that I had as a child. Sure. Yeah, so I, I think we can talk about identity. Um, another thing that we could talk about is like, I'm hearing you guys use the phrase piece of shit or lazy a fair amount, like I'm just lazy. And, and we could kind of dig into like what that means or where that comes from. And the third thing um, that we could talk about, you know, it sounds like you guys had a couple of really cultural intersections with mental health in terms of stigma, prayer. Um, you know, it sounded like Raymond was basically like, you know, told to pray the mental health away. And, and, and so, you know, we could talk a little bit about that. What do you guys think, or, you know, if y'all have a, a suggestion for something that you'd like to talk about, then, you know, by all means, but those are kind of the three things that seem to kind of unite a few different perspectives here. So identity um, being a lazy piece of shit and stigma and prayer. I guess I would like to talk about one other thing. Um, I guess being black in uh, the gaming culture, because sometimes sure. I feel like I even have to change my voice. Or um, I have to kind of like hide my face because there's kind of a few, I don't know. Uh, Say it, I guess um, people hide behind the anim anonymity of being online and they feel free to say whatever they want. And sometimes it it kind of hurts. Like maybe it's like a 13-year-old yeah. kid on Call of Duty or on whatever, um, Borderlands 3 or whatever I'm playing, saying the most racist thing that, if the um their parents heard they would I, I don't know so i guess that's something else i would like to talk about just being black Beautiful. in gaming community definitely would like to talk especially like on twitch because i'm someone who like has this desire to stream but i've always been in my head about a series of things my brain likes to find excuses but one thing that i can't get past is like the use of certain emotes and like especially when you have to understand the social justice and you see that it, there's so much use of racial emote racial emotes to talk about like whenever a stereotype comes up or a caricature they use the emote in relation to that caricature and why is it that when like stealing is talked about on stream they start using a black like the command bro try hard and things like that like and i want i don't want to be the person to like ruin people's fun i've always tried to not be that person but it's just something that i personally like just i just find it really difficult to get past a lot of the time yeah so yeah. like what is it like being a black gamer I mean, no, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like it almost, oh, not it definitely ties right back into that identity thing. Like, on the, like, it, it's just a common theme. Like, okay, when I'm with a bunch of other black people, all right, I'm the African guy. So I'm not really one of them. All right. If I'm with white people, I'm the black guy. I'm not really one of them. When, when I'm with gamers, now uh, I'm, you know, black gamer, not really one of them. So you're not really, uh, always feels like I'm not really allowed to be part of any group. So yeah, it just feels like the same thing over and over again. It, it feels a lot like being the butt of the joke sometimes. It feels a lot like, especially when I play something like League of Legends, that's known for having a toxic community sometimes. It's tough realizing that you're the come on bro, or you're the try hard seven, or you're the the meme that's being made fun of, and it sucks that your culture is the butt of the joke. And and it's weird seeing that level of toxicity so normalized too. I can't tell you how many oftentimes growing up seeing just so much toxic behavior on online gaming, and it's always the black community, and it's tough. It sucks being that butt of the joke. Yeah, and like black people seem to serve as the punchline in a lot of jokes too. And I think that personally for me, like certain streamers. I like I find them funny, but it's also that racial agitation as a joke has always been like a pretty common thing on this platform. 
like I don't like to call names. But like I like Greek God X. I think he I re- I respect his progress he made, but his weight loss, the things he's done to improve himself as a person. But like his liberal use of try hard throughout all of his uh, streaming career and the way in which he mo- like he doesn't take seriously when it's being used or he promotes it being used, it, it stimulates this idea of try hard seven. And I feel like I, I don't want to take that. See, I want to see it as a joke and see like, oh yeah, that's joking. But I don't know. So I have a couple of questions, but first, can you guys start mm-hmm. by explaining to me what these terms mean? I I don't know what y'all are. Or, what is um, try hard kind of seven? like um, poke champ. Um, that's like excitement. A come on, bro. Would be is a picture or emote of a black person, as well oh, as I a guess. try hard, which is of try hex, who's a Twitch streamer, and people use it for um, whenever something seen as black comes on stream. Um, they would spam that emote. Um, most, a lot of the time. So, so, so the the emotes are actually like of people with dark skin. Yes, yeah. and yeah. they're referencing actual black. Because for a second there, because I, yeah. I use the word try hard a lot, but yeah, but that's a different context. In the that, original context yeah, of try like, hard, I, mean, I talk about is like, like you're trying harder the game. Tryhards. Yeah, exactly. There's, that's the that's a proper use of try hard. Try hex is a streamer on Twitch who's black and his it. email, it's his email from a way back when, when Twitch was like in the early stages of Twitch. Got it. And he is the one who, and I think he's the originator of TryHard. It's like K Kona. K Kona was a real person from Twitch. And that was the only email on Twitch at the time. And he uploaded it to test. Um, I think it was test to test Streamlabs or test Nightbot. But nonetheless, these are like, and Anel is another one of those ones who describes a Muslim person. And I think uh, Nam describes an Asian person, but I th- I'm not sure which, um, nationality specifically, but there's so many different ones that are literally just a person who is of a specific race. That <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. I didn't even realize. That. I mean, I guess it's no surprise that they're racist emotes, but <laughs> but I, I wasn't aware of that. So I'm kind of curious, um, uh, uh, Mo. You were talking about sort of like, uh, you know, sort of how can I say this? Like, there's almost a certain constancy to what you guys face. In terms of like, it's like, I'm just hearing all of you guys talk about gaming and that there's like just an additional layer of shit that keeps you from having fun when you game. Like what, does that make sense? Like, I I don't know how else to put it. What does that, what does that do to you? Uh, It makes me, it makes me want to build up barriers and it makes me like develop a thicker skin. I find like seeing like, for example, playing World of Warcraft or League of Legends, I see so many people whose usernames are just altered spellings of the N word or big N word or something like that. Like just finding some way to be, to, to use that word in any term. It's, and it feels as almost if it's as if it's like super forced on their part. But when I see that you grow like indifferent to it, you recognize that that's not you. You recognize that that's not true. You realize that like, you just have to develop these barriers I find to just have such a thicker skin because of it. Yeah. So like, you know, that actually seems so insidious to me because it's like, you have to, you have another layer of like cognitive shit that you're dealing with and you're playing a game. Like I've experienced a fair amount of racism in my life. Like I grew up in East Texas and I'm brown and you know, any color except for white in, in East Texas, you know, you deal with racism. Um, and at the same time though, when I play video games, like I never think about my ethnicity unless I'm like doing an Indian accent and being as racially offensive as possible. (laughs) But, um, you know, and, and so I'm just like, I'm just imagining that when you guys like play games, it's sort of like you have to do some kind of like work or it's just hard for you to just like play a game. 
but yeah, you got to keep up the code switch even while you're playing the game. If you want to play games of random people, and then you end up you might end up queuing with a a kid who who just as soon as he hears a black guy's voice and he thinks he needs to start acting some kind of way or start saying the n-word or start doing something extra and it makes the kind of thing it's not only just gaming but like even just being out in public in general the first time i really experienced like being seen as a stereotype like fully was when a guy from france this um this exchange student i would i didn't even, i wasn't mad about at him about this because it's a bigger portrayal about how black people a caricature of black people in the world but the first thing he did when he saw me was throw gang signs <laughs> to say and other way to so say hi and I understood that he was trying to be nice and that's just but it's just a caricature and caricature is something that has always bothered me since I was very young just because you recognize the ways in which black people have been even like assimilated not just black people any race for that matter that is and white has been assimilated in society was through their caricature so if you've played into the caricature and you played into those ways in which you're already seeing that people don't have to question then you can find success in the conventional society you can assimilate into heteronormative parts of society yeah that's deep man i'm also kind of just noticing that you, you guys have a i'm sort of seeing another identity piece here too that like you know it seems like you guys are just not treated for who you are it's like 80 percent of who you are or maybe even less than 20 percent of like what people think you are um that's that's the absolutely yeah. yeah 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 for sure what's that like tired it's very tiring and that's what plays into my depression as well because then it just makes being alive and having to be an actor in the world very tiring it feels like i'm constantly putting on a face and it feels like i shouldn't have to do that either like one key problem i have is like why should black kids have to get used to hearing the n-word why should they have to even get like yeah. this is, my problem is having to get used to ignorance not with this black kids but any race for that matter why should you have to get used to ignorance it's like of course you should grow thick skin of course you should learn to not be too sensitive but why is that something that a person should have to get used to why should they have to get used to hate yeah what's it like to have to get used to hate and julian i, think, I, I don't know if you want uh, to jump in because uh, i can't yeah, see your I, face i was kind of thinking a lot about that because like in high school um a lot of times like the way i would just like interact with other like, i went to like a uh, predominantly black high school, but I was like always in robotics and stuff, so I was surrounded by mostly white people. Um, so I was always kind of the butt of the joke, but to kind of like not survive the fit in, basically, uh, I was just always making like jokes about myself or whatever and demeaning my race. Um, and I never really noticed like how harmful that was until my teacher like pointed it out. She was like, Julian, like, you okay? Do you like hate your race or something? I was like, no, it's just like they think it's funny. So I'll just along and then now i realize like, that's just a horrible thing to do julian your your voice is still coming through kind of robotic oh sorry there know. we go what'd you just oh, do okay i moved my mic slightly slight slightly what oh i just moved it <laughs> yeah i just moved it a bit okay great yeah now it's perfect. uh what what did you hear not much okay i'll try to, i'll try that again um in Thanks, high school man. um like i had uh, I was in robotics a lot, so I was mostly around white people. Um, so, and they were like, it's like Florida, it's kind of like the deep south. Um, so they're pretty racist and like to fit in, I would just make fun of myself and everything. Um, and it got to the point where like some of my teachers were like concerned that like I actually hated my race or something. And I was like, no, I don't really care. It's just like, it makes them laugh. Like I'll just do it. Um, and that's not a helpful 
way though. So it sounds like you were but, being an actor too. Yeah, but it's it's really like tiring. And I like I think you said to the Mitch Jones where you're like he was using like a lot of willpower to keep going, and then like at some point you just had to run out. Yeah. Um, so that I'm hearing other people kind of say that too. I'm kind of curious. Um, uh, it was Aachen, is that right? Am I pronouncing that right? Um. Not exactly, but I take Akin as well. <laughs> so how do you pronounce it? Akin. Akin. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Akin and, and Raymond, do you all want to jump in? Like, what's any thoughts about what we're talking about? Um. Yeah. I mean, uh, now that I mean, now that people are talking about it, I'm kind of like reflecting on like. So for high school, I went to a predominantly white school, and like at the time I was a loner and I was like, okay, that's just my thing, which is true to an extent. But I do think that being one of like three black guys in the high school made me much more extremely of a loner. Same. And I think it was, yeah. And I think it was, there was a lot of like these guys, it felt like these guys had never seen a black person before when I moved in. <laughs> <laughs> and so they just had all of these really dumb, like these really dumb black jokes, like not intended to be offensive, but they're like, wow, I've never gotten to use this before kind of thing. And it was just like, it's just like a constant like face bomb kind of situation. And, but you know, like, I know they don't have a bad intention to it. So it's just like, I guess I just got to sit here and listen to this nonsense every single day. Um, and I think that, it does highlight the difference between us and made it easier for me to feel isolated. And I already would have probably like, I already would have isolated myself a little, but that just made it extreme where I was like talking to almost no one. Oh yeah. And um, for me, I guess for, in terms of being an actor, um, I come from South London and I'm Nigerian as well. So we have a lot of slang that we use, but working in like a professional environment, I felt like I had to act a certain way to kind of survive, if that makes sense. So um, I guess trying to be- Can understand what that means? So if like being myself or I'm using like slang terms um, that I may use like, uh, it may be a joke, but a fam and Bro, if you guys might have heard that before, but um, like, I guess like in a professional uh, setting where let's say like it's a boardroom and everyone's speaking a posh certain in posh English um sort of way, I felt like I had to um imitate that to to um if if that makes sense, I, have, I had to imitate that to um I guess to survive in the workplace, and I felt like sometimes I had to also be overly friendly as well so like when i go into elevators and stuff like that um i'm smiling everyone that knows me in my personal life um i try to be kind uh, wherever possible but um or whenever i can but um when i go into an elevator uh the first thing first instincts of like a woman would be like to clench onto her handbag or say oh you scared me when i'm just walking um, like I normally walk is I'm not trying to be scary. I'm just me. I'm, and I guess, yeah, just having to be overly friendly so I don't scare anyone. Um, 
I feel like, yeah, that's how I feel in terms of acting in the workplace. Like you, and it sounds like you guys have to compensate a lot. Yeah. We have to be constantly aware of the fact that people see you in some kind of way. And that's why I don't like being around cops. I've never liked being around, yeah. like, even if I'm doing nothing wrong. I've been like stopped. I'm lucky. I'm lucky to only be stopped twice in my life. But each of the contexts in which I was stopped was always something stupid. And just because the fact that I'm walking around while being black in a neighborhood that's apparently supposed to be dominantly white. And I've growing up in like in here in Boston, uh, there's Dorchester and there's South Boston. And I went, I grew up going to a school um, from fifth to 12th grade that was predominantly white because it bordered between those two neighborhoods. And because of that experience, I found that you always have to be walking on because even when I was, we had like debates on things, Black Lives Matter back in 2014 during the Ferguson riots. They're always the perspective of these kids. And I never got angry at them so much as the fact that I was just sad that their own ignorance because they were unwilling to learn or unwilling to see a world outside of themselves. When someone says Black Lives Matter, it doesn't mean that other people's lives don't matter too. They're just making a statement. And you can also say Asian lives matter. You can say Hispanic lives matter. You can say Indian lives matter. You can say so many people's lives matter, but it doesn't devalue the lives of other people. But other people would still have the desire to say that no, all lives matter. But why should you even have to put a no before that? I think those can, these two things are not mutually exclusive; they can coexist. But I had to find that most of my childhood was having to educate people on. I don't like the like the, the closest phrase is you have to educate your oppressor, to say the least. Mm-hmm. That's and that's the closest thing I can understand to be able to express. Like much of my life has been trying to educate people on where I'm coming from and not being defined by my skin. Can you guys um, explain to us what, what, what Black Lives Matter means to you? Yeah, to me, Black Lives Matter too. I think that's what people sometimes forget is that we're not saying only Black Lives Matter. We're saying Black Lives Matter too. Uh, and I think that's the, the biggest distinction. Um, when I hear, like growing up in Canada, it's I hear more polite forms of racism being told something like all lives matter or being told that there's only one race and that's human, you're undermining the true ethnicity that I am. You're undermining my experiences and the shared experiences of many cultures and many diasporas. And when you when you say something like all lives matter, yeah, obviously we get that. All lives do matter, but black lives matter too. That's my point. And racists have literally employed what he just said. There's only one race in the human race, but we have the right to say we want to keep this place white. I've literally heard those words verbatim <laughs> in the interview. I wish I could pull it up right now. But in the interview that Oprah Winfrey did a long time ago, I forget which location it was, but it was a location that's filled with tons of um, hate crimes against black people and where they literally have sprayed the N-word in places that black people congregate. And it's the experience. Black Lives Matter to me is that no matter how wrong the crime a black person has committed, they don't deserve to die on the street like a dog. And I've had to, like, my, especially now with the protests that have been happening recently, I, I think I should seek mental health, mental health help, mental health help with this. Because after having to see so many black people die in the street, and like, you shouldn't, having to see people bleed out, like, you literally, you're seeing it in your, with your own eyes. And you're seeing, like, what, what a human being looks like as they're dying, especially a black, like, just for two cops pinning the person down and they're not holding still for any whatever reason it might be they just get shot and killed and then they handcuff them and i've had to see that at least 10 times in the past week alone and it's i feel like the fact that i'm so desensitized to it bothers me a lot because 
Yeah. I'm the kind of person who's naturally empathetic and I feel other people's pain very strongly. And I'm at the point where I can look at that and I just, I can, I keep, I can, I just have to keep scrolling. And that's why I haven't been on social media that much recently because as much as I want to be retweeting what's happening and try to spread awareness about what's happening, the revolution that's going on, it is difficult in the sense that you just see the, how much of a, like people are, why did, it, why did, it, why does it take people to die for justice to come? Why do we wait on, have to wait until after Breonna Taylor is dead or George Floyd is dead or Ahmaud Arbery is dead or T Tamir Rice is dead? Like so many young black people and black trans people too or black people of any kind of identity, why do they have to die first for justice to yeah, come? Yeah, so what, what, I'm, what right. I'm hearing from you guys just overwhelmingly is a sense of like it shouldn't be this way. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm hearing. Like in, it, it's, not, it's not just people dying, although you know, it definitely applies there. But like even just... You know, just the way you guys grew up and, and like when I'm thinking about Raymond walking into a boardroom, like he just can't speak like he I, I and I'm inferring that you sort of speak differently. And I, I you know, you just you guys just it's, I don't know how to it's like you guys are playing life like on hard mode. It's like there's the normal game and then there's the game with like all this other like layer of shit piled on top. Yeah. Oh um, I think South, South Park made a joke on that on yeah. one of their games that they made um, the black. If you made your character black, it was yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> that was difficulty. Like, oh my gosh! Thing. It's like twenty percent greater chance to be stopped by the police, like minus five to speech, or like people's <laughs> reactions to you, or like you know. You try to get a job, worse. you get rejected immediately. Yep, you just like, the big thing. It's, it's really like when I think about playing a game. I've been playing like I don't know if y'all played Total War, but I've been I've been yeah. playing a lot of Total War. And it's like literally like the game just, you know, on hard mode, it's like you just get like penalties to everything. And that's, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah basically. It's like yeah. number of people you can connect with easily at school goes down from like 50 to 3. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's just like, I mean, I, I'm laughing about it, but I mean, it sounds fucking awful. Like it just, it just Learned sounds like just, just harder. Like it sounds a little bit more tiring, a little bit more exhausting. It sounds like you guys just have to spend a little bit more energy or maybe even a lot more energy to kind of do things. Uh, I, I'm really curious though, Raymond, I'm just so fascinated though. What do you think would happen if you didn't change the way that you spoke? Um, I've got no idea. <laughs> um, I have to try it to find out. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I mean, um, uh, what do I think would happen? I guess it will be a lot harder for people to understand me because um, I work in a, a global company and there's people from all around the world. Um, so when we do like a Zoom call or a Webex call, um, if I was to speak in a South London accent or um, Pigeon English, which is a dialect in the Yoruba culture, which is in Nigeria, it will, I, I would think that it's it would be a lot harder for people to understand what I'm saying because of it being a, another a dialect or, or language. It's the same language, but yeah, just a bit harder to understand. Hmm. I guess maybe I can try, try, in this, um, try in this and see if you guys understand me. I'm going to understand you, bro. I mean, you want to go for it. I was just kind of curious, like, you know, what, what happens when you guys... Because and this kind of comes back to identity that, you know, so I'm, I'm getting the sense that it's hard for y'all to be like fully authentic. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, have you guys, 
so, you know, I think that a lot of times we learn the behaviors that we do, right? So like we learn to put up barriers, we learn, or the reason that we put up barriers is because when we don't have barriers, we get hurt in some way. So I'm kind of curious, have you guys had periods of your life or things that you remember where you like really did try to be you and you were like punished for it? I mean, um, I guess kind of so I moved back home for coronavirus, like, uh, and basically just being home like around my dad again, uh, and have like the greatest childhood. And he uh, he doesn't allow me to think for myself. I think I was telling him about something I wanted to do uh, like in the future, just like as like a life goal. And uh, he said like, if I did that, I would be failing him, and like all the work he did to get me here would be for nothing. Uh, so that was rough. Uh, but I was just trying to like. We're still tell getting robotic. Julian, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Really is sure. that better? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta keep it right okay. Up, man. Um, basically, when I came home uh, for the break, uh, it started. My, uh, oh, that's not good. Is that better? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll try to. It's like Discord um, only wants you to transmit the words. Is that better? It's <laughs> <laughs> trying to censor everything. Big bugs. Substantive that yeah. you have to say. Um, I'll, all right, hopefully this works. Um, but when I came back home and I'm just around my dad more, like we don't have the best relationship. Uh, I tried to tell him that like I was thinking about like maybe looking into psychology because I would want to work on like a prison reform program that would help get uh, like prisoners like better acclimated to the workforce afterwards. And I told my dad this, um, and I was trying to like open up to him a little bit, and he told me like uh, if I did that, I would fail him, um, and all the work he would do like to get me to where I am would be for nothing. So that kind Jesus of Christ. and I, I gave him like a second chance like a few days later. I was like, you wanna like take that back, reword it, and he like tripled down on it. And I was like, Alright, I'm gonna be in my room. <laughs> gonna go play league for a few hours. Uh yeah, it's just tough. Julian, I'm just gonna ask uh, someone else to just kind of reflect back what they heard just because it didn't come through entirely clearly. Does somebody wanna just share what oh, they okay. heard from Julian? Yeah, sure, I can. Okay. So Julian's saying that he wanted to start a psychology program. Well, he was talking to his dad. And he wanted to do something different with psychology that could help with prison reform to help people get reacclimated to society. And he, well, his father disagreed and said that he shouldn't do that. And they talked about it again. And his father doubled down on it. And I think he said that he has to pretty much figure it out on his own and has to be on his own to be able to figure, um, to get B and do the things he wants to do. Yeah, basically, that's yeah. basically what I said. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to skip the part where he, his dad said, "If you do that, you will waste everything that I've done for you." Yeah, like yeah. that's fucking brutal, Jesus. Yeah, that's uh, tough. Do you, does that resonate with you for a particular reason? I mean, it sounds like. Um, I mean, my, like, uh, my parents are. My, I mean, my mom is very, is actually very nice, but like, I think from every other Nigerian American that I've ever met, there is just a lot of pressure to like, be like the best ever. <laughs> so at this point, at this point, I mean, my, my mom is like pretty mellow at this point, but it's already so deep in my psyche that that's just my own internal voice at this point. So I, yeah, I would... Like, that would be my own mind telling me, like, yeah, if you do this other thing, then you're not, you're wasting all of the efforts of, uh, of your parents, of, of everything that you've done up to this point. So, um, it, it resonates on that level. 
Same here, bro. Like that's literally me too. And I've had the conversation with my mom because college is a very difficult thing for me. And I tried having the conversation with my mom to even just defer for last semester because I wasn't doing well in school because my eyes pretty much messed up my first year. And she, it even got so heated to the point where he said if he thinks he knows so much better, he can live on his own. And yeah. I like that she would say that because I it, it it really messed with my mental for a little while and it still does in a lot of ways. But I also struggled with the fact that she only sees me as an extension of herself, especially when I got my first tattoo. It became the kind of thing where I wasn't able to be who I wanted to be for myself. It was only about how she saw me and who she thought I needed to be in the world and all her fears. And, and she's also a Christian. And she wants to be a minister. So that's that on top of all the other things, mm. you know, it's but I'm lucky that she is at least as accepting as she is because my brother is trans or female or male. And he has been able to experience that for himself and be a human being in the world and be a full person in the world because she listened to what I had to say one day and was able to accept that, put her, her beliefs aside and let him be who he is. So I do believe there's hope from my relationship with my mom, but just being able to understand how to talk to her and make amends with all the things in which we have dealt with. Because she, I've been in a similar situation as Alfonso. Do, do you guys... Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Julian, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, like, that was super wholesome. Um, like, I love that. That's great. Um, I'm glad that you're, you said you're uh, male or female, right? Brother, yeah, he's my brother. Uh, I'm, I'm glad he, I guess, like, live a truth and everything. Like, that's great to hear. Um, have you guys found... Oh, sorry. I wanted to say something, and I just lost the thread of it. Yeah, so, I, you know, it, it sounds like Julian's dad was pretty rough on him. It sounds like Akin and Eli's mom, uh, mothers, have been pretty supportive. I'm curious, what about, like, how, what's been y'all's relationship with your dad, or if um, Mo or, or Raymond want to jump in? Like, so it sounds like family dynamics are pretty different. Um, yeah. So um, my parents emigrated to the UK when off in their late 20s. So um, they had a lot of expectations when I was uh, younger. So I'm guessing this is similar to a lot of um, immigrant cultures where um, it's either uh, first class, which is an A in the US or bust. So this, this is, I think, my, my second time um, um, trying uni university. And I'm liking it a lot more now, but... Now that I've said, okay, I'm just going to do my best. It's not, I have to get a first class. I have to get 70%. I have to get the A+. Plus. It's, it's just me trying my best. But um, I struggled a lot with um, perfectionism because um, the only time I saw my dad happy was when I came home with the um, the level five, which is like the, mm -hmm. yeah, with the high, which is like a high school in um, primary school. Uh, I guess the terms. Let me let me um, translate it to the American uh, middle school. Middle school. That might be it. Okay. Uh, like the high school in middle school. If I got like a a C, it's like why why didn't you get an A? If I get got ninety four percent, why didn't you? Why did you miss that six percent? Is it got to the point where um yeah I, it's never enough. Like, yes, it's never. It was never enough unless it was a hundred percent. And even if it was a hundred percent. It was uh, just a clap and onto yeah, the next one. Let's see. So, you do um, again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah. Let's see you do it again. But yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, going through therapy, uh, I had to un untangle a lot of those mental models I had of perfectionism. I have to get that a 
because a, a lot of it I, I couldn't control. Um, all I could do was my best. And when it got to the the person that was marking it, maybe if they're having a bad day or they had an argument with their girlfriend, they might be like, okay, let me give this person a 65 instead of a 70. And yeah, um, yeah, therapy's helped a lot, but I feel like it's something that's that's shared amongst all of us here, or at least a lot yeah. of us. I, I just wanted to clarify. My mom has been supportive, but for it's only within things that fit her frame, her paradigm. Oh, okay. And slowly she's coming out of that. But like I relate to what he just said so strongly, and it's still a problem that I deal with right now with my mom, because college is just... I want to help people in my life, but I just don't like academia anymore. And it just it met, this past three months was really hard for me simply because I could not even get myself to type a word in an essay. And I was struggling with just doing online classes simply because I, it just felt like all the trauma of academia was rising up in me in that moment. And I wasn't able to perform anymore because there were, it just didn't feel worth it anymore. And I get to that point so many times with school. So I, I'm a little bit. Mm. All right. So let me actually ask you guys first. So, like, what do you guys think about our discussion so far? Is there anything that you want to talk more about, or anything that you think is just like to kind of check in with you guys? What do you guys? How do you think we're doing? I think um, I think an a topic we should touch on as well is the idea of like normality and the idea within cultures of like what is normal and how you're supposed to be a true African or how you're supposed to be a healthy person. Um, I also struggle a lot with like toxic masculinity as well. I find it's really prevalent in a lot of our culture, especially amongst youth uh, and especially amongst the older heads as well. It's, you know, real men don't cry and real men don't mm -hmm. have these feelings and real men aren't this and real men aren't sick and all that type of stuff. And it's those stigmas that really affect me personally. I've never, I'm thankful in the sense that my family has been pretty supportive in a lot of aspects, uh, especially with um, my mental health, but it took them a while to work up to that. It took them a while to get used to it. Um, I struggle a lot with my peers. Uh, I find that it's difficult to be myself around certain groups of friends. Uh, and especially growing up in high school, I had that issue a lot. Um, naturally, I'm a very energetic and flamboyant person, but I have to tone that down. And I have to, you know, not be gay or not be this way or not be that or, and stuff like that, or not be too black, not be too Arabic, not be too whatever. And I think it's similar to what Raymond deals with in the boardroom. Like it's, you have to police your own language and you have to police yourself and it sucks and it's straining to have to constantly do that. So let's talk about that, Mo. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I really... Someone in the chat, someone in the chat said define. Sorry to interrupt, but someone in the chat said define toxic masculinity. So toxic masculinity, based on my personal experience and my understanding of the definition, was it's the kind of masculinity that forces you to be a specific kind of way. It doesn't matter what way that is, but usually it's aggressive hyper masculinity that is the toxic kind of thing and things that devalue you if you don't fit the common frame of what a man is and my mom is also like women also perpetuate in my culture at least perpetuate that same thing i'm supposed to be the man of the house originally being the only boy in the family being the man of the house is making and her believing that i have to be responsible for things or act in a certain kind of way or look a certain kind of way or um perform in a certain kind of way simply because i'm a guy anybody else want to add to eli's definition thanks for that man uh, um kind of it's how do i explain this it's kind of what like the world's kind of just shoving their own like view of what you should be on you and usually it's just like like why aren't you doing this and so like why are you doing this instead of this and you should be like everyone else here like you should be at this level rather than where you're at right now 
Um, it's just really hard to deal with them. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I hate that there are strong feelings of shame when it comes to toxic masculinity. You feel embarrassed because you're not a certain way, or you feel like, like it's always people shaming you into acting a certain way. And that's mm -hmm. never a good motivator, I don't think, for like how to be. And neither is that correct in the first place. No, well, what, what have you been shamed into doing? Um, I guess having like a traditional job, having a traditional career uh, with my family, um, acting a certain way being traditionally Arabic, being traditionally Muslim, being traditionally African, being the breadwinner of the family. And it's 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 tough because I get told, like when I first was found that when I was going through my manic phases and I had my dealings with bipolar disorder, it was tough because I was told to just pray it away. I was told to, you know, just exercise and eat right. Don't listen to your doctor. He's giving you pills. Don't take the pills. But none of that shit worked for me. And none of that shit's never worked for me. It was always seeking genuine help and like being able to come out of my own barrier in my own comfort zone to accept that I need help and to go forward with that and it sucks because it's like I have to break through so many learned behaviors that I was shamed into into feeling like it like it it's really tough it's really tough yeah I, I'm gonna ask people if, if they've had a similar experience but I just want to comment for a second because you said you, you had to break through your own barriers to accept help I think the really insidious thing is you didn't have to break through your barriers you had to break through the barriers that people put around you Mm -hmm. Right. Like the idea that you can't get help or that you shouldn't get help or, you know, help is for the weak is not something that came from you. It came from the people around you. And, and I, I just want to be a little bit careful. I'm a big fan of like personal growth and overcoming your own challenges. But I'm, what I'm hearing from you guys pretty overwhelmingly is that like the challenges that you guys face are not ones that you put up. It's the challenges that people put on you. Right? Like 94% isn't good enough. Even 100% isn't good enough. You've got to do it. Like, what about tomorrow? You know, and I, and I think what I'm hearing from you guys over and over and over again is that it's not like, it's not you. It's the people around you and, and the expectations that you put on yourself. And then eventually you end up thinking like, like Akim does with like, oh, I'm a lazy piece of shit. And in order to get my confidence back, yeah. I should do a project all on my own. I'm curious, what do the rest of you guys think about that? I've been there and I felt that so strongly, especially when I was even just seven years old, because one of my teachers said I was lazy. Just because I couldn't focus in class, because I was not able to be the person that my, everybody tells me I need to be to be successful in this life. And that made me feel as though I could never really be successful in my own personal dreams and made me un lose the desire to do anything even just creative, constructive, or pursue anything outside of academia because it felt as though that was worthless in the eyes of everybody around me. What do you guys think so about Akeem's plan to do Sorry. Yeah, I'm, saying, I'm sorry. I was saying the lack of self-belief was a Yeah, so what thing. do you guys think about Akeem's plan? And sorry if I'm sort of shifting gears for a second, but I just can't let this slide. Because at the end of the day, like, I feel like, yeah, I, I want to tackle something with you guys. And and I, I noticed that I just can't help myself in the sense that I get I get the sense that Akeem is a little bit stuck right now. And, and we should think about that because you all have felt that way too. And Akeem, sorry if I'm putting you on the spot, man. No, it's great. So, like, what do you guys think about his plan of, like, finishing a project on himself so he can build confidence? I, I mean, I understand why he feels the need to do that. Because I've kind of gone through that myself. Yeah, just, just with, like, general schooling. Uh, like, uh, 
like last like uh, fall semester wasn't the greatest because like towards the end I had a friend die, um, and then after like my grades just dropped naturally. Um, so then the next semester I didn't like accept help from anyone. I was like I'm just gonna do it this semester myself to prove it that I can continue being an engineer. Thankfully, um, like I did a lot better. Um, so I feel really good about school right now, but like I fully understand like why he feels the need to do that. Other people have thoughts. I've tried doing. Pro I started writing every day. I th I'm not sure if it was you who motivated me. I think it was you who motivated me to start writing more every day. When I was watching one of your streams, but I that's one project. And I started drawing, trying to be more creative. So on my own, I wrote a first poem I've written in years. I just tried. I think that's my personal project, maybe. But I can understand his need to do that to feel creative. But I mean, feel like he needs to well feel as it doing it as a solution to get back on track. But for me, work, doing more work has always been more inversely proportional to my happiness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that as well. Um, yeah. So for me, I've got like an assignment due in one month. But um, whenever I look at the top of the mountain, okay, I've got 5,000 words to write. It sounds so crazy. Like, oh, how, how am I going to find the time? Um, but breaking up into small, simple steps. So... Um, I've got like some productivity journals and I've been reading the book called Limitless by Jim Quick. And he talks about something called small, simple steps. So I always think about, okay, what's a small thing that I definitely can't fail at? So it might be, okay, something really small. Okay, let me open up the, the um, Word document. Okay, let me write the title. Let me write one sentence. Let me search um, this journal. Let me search this journal. And every single time I hit one of those accomplishments, I feel a greater sense of of uh, confidence in myself that okay, I, I might be able to do this. Um, so I, I would, I would, yeah, also echo that point that um, a small project can help you with confidence, Akim. One thing too that happened to me though in relation to what you just what you just said. So I learned that too from this book called The Solar of Not Giving a Fuck, and I also went into the game from TED Talks, and also Dr. K talked about doing the bare minimum. And that was what got me to start writing again. But I tried having that before when it came to those essays and the depression I was dealing with those past three months. And I was dealing with, it's like I couldn't, when I wasn't trying to do that one word or those, like even just write the title, this feeling of I like couldn't breathe would rise up within me. And I wouldn't even be able to do that. And I think that's something that has taught me that I need to reevaluate a lot of things about my life because I was in a place where, like I was saying with the abuse and things, why do I feel as though there's no point in even doing this anymore and I can't even get myself to do the bare minimum? And before I was able to motivate myself using my mom's, like how hard she had to work and how everything she sacrificed to come to America and everything she sacrificed for, for us to have the life that we have, I was able to let that motivate me for a while, but that just doesn't work anymore. And I was very, yeah. I became very spiritual too over the past year from after reading The Power of Now, learning how to meditate and being able to have the ability to bring mindfulness into each moment I, that really helped me get through the past year but for some reason it just stopped being enough so let me let me just ask oh uh, I, i'm curious about that eli but let me just go back to akin for a second akin do you get the sense that so julian used the phrase prove it akin do you get the sense that like completing a project on your own is proving something absolutely what are you trying to prove um i mean on a very like like on a very logical level, 
I do like I do think I actually need to prove that I can do the work given that I was fired and it would be a very good story to tell at my interview that I completed a project and have solved whatever issue got me fired in the first place. But then on a more emotional level, I like getting fired from that job was kind of like the natural culmination of like how I've always done things. I have always half-assed everything and been lazy for literally my entire life. And so I would like to prove to myself that that is no longer a thing at some point. And I guess I want this to be the proof of that. So I'm sure that your colleagues can, can sympathize with that. I'm kind of curious, Raymond, when you were talking about, you know, opening up the word document and putting the title on there, are you trying to prove anything? Um, yeah, that I can do something because um, I'm 23 now and I've been diagnosed. I'm not sure if it's uh, wise to say some of the diagnosis I've, I've had, but uh, yeah, I've... I'm not sure either. No idea. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I say whatever you want there. to, man. I don't. I don't. Think yeah. Uh, hopefully, it helps someone. Um. So I've been diagnosed recently with ADHD, um, anxiety and depression. Uh, uh, uh and sorry, at an adult age, and, um, yeah, <laughs> that that felt weird to say. Uh, Let's just pause for a second. That um. Like whenever I tell so, some somebody that, um, it felt it felt like an excuse that a lot of the time when I was like trying to read my textbooks, um, I was like, okay, how come I can't read this? I'll try and read for twenty minutes, and how come it's not going into my head? I try and read it again, and I hear a, like a bird outside, or and I get distracted, and I have to focus back on the book, and um, yeah. So um, what, what was the question? <laughs> That's okay. Do you, does anybody yeah. have any idea what Raymond is experiencing right now? Uh, yeah, I do, because I also have to deal with like, ADD a lot. Um, and sort of age. I haven't been diagnosed with it since I was like a child, but I still like feel the same as I did when I was a child. Um, but yeah, I get it. It always felt like it was something limiting me, and I kind of resented it before that. Like I was always just upset that I was ADD or whatever, and it was affecting like my productivity and everything um, and i don't really talk about it a lot so i get like how he, he feels like it's weird to kind of say out loud it, it sounds to me like what you're feeling is that you know you always knew that something was really hard for you but yeah. other people didn't understand it and it was like yeah. you were trying to tell people like hey this is actually hard like i'm not i'm not stupid like I sit down and I work hard and the letters just don't come into my head after 20 minutes. Yeah. And then people basically held you to a standard that was not who you are. And it comes back to yeah. identity. It's like you tried to tell people who you are and, and what, just think about this, right? Because we think about ADHD as an illness or a deficiency. And so it's even weird for me to say like you are like you were a completely normal human being in that moment and the world didn't treat you that way. And it can be hard for you to find a reason. And even then, I don't I don't know if you guys have seen me like talk about ADHD before, but I, I think basically like you guys aren't ill. It's just your brain is not designed to look at a textbook for an hour. 
because there are lots of different brains and and like when we were evolving like no human being had to sit in one place for an hour and stare at one object and and i kind of talk a little bit about hunters versus farmers and hunters are people that are taking in a lot of different stimuli and new environments and then there are farmers that like to wake up the same time every day and do the same thing every day until they die and there are different kinds of brains um, and if people are wondering, you know, Raymond is a guffa, um, which is kind of interesting because your ADHD is, is a lot of that kind of mindset. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think what I'm hearing from you, Raymond, is really that like it feels somewhat liberating to get a, a diagnosis. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that because all this time I was told that I was lazy. I'm not trying hard enough, even though I'll try. OK, let me read this textbook for two hours. But it's just not going in. I'm trying my hardest, but it's, it was it was so difficult. But it kind of felt like a sense of relief that okay, there's something I can do about it. It's not it's not that I'm hopeless. It's something that I can work on. And yeah, that that's what I would say on it for sure. Joaquin, Real quick, Moses. Sorry, Moses, bro. sorry. Moses wants me to ask um, Alfonso, or uh, I think it's Julius. I'm not sure his name. Julian, but he wants, yep. Julian, yeah, he wants us to see if you can use your phone on your webcam mic or your phone. Oh, I'll try that right now. Thanks, Eli. Hello? Can you still hear me? Yeah. Yeah, better. All right, sounds good. <laughs> Fixed. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks, Eli. So, Akeen, let me ask you something. How long have you felt like you're a lazy piece of shit? I'm trying to remember if there was a time where I didn't think that. <laughs> Maybe I don't. I might not have thought that when I was like seven or eight or something. <laughs> right. So, like, I'm kind of curious. Like, you know, when were you guys taught these things about yourself? Right. I, I was just told. Like you, do, you feel to. It's like when you fail to perform. I guess. And you feel you fail to perform for such a young age because math was something that I really struggled with as a kid. So you have it's reinforced in me since I was a child because my mom would get angry at me for not doing well when I was younger. But I tried to get help with my with the schoolwork, but it never really bore fruit. Until I found a teacher as a who I was compatible with as a person who understood how I learned, and I got lucky to have gotten that when I was in the fifth grade for my because I was I almost got held back because I had to go to counseling for depression for two weeks. And my grades dropped while I was away. Not only two weeks, I think it was longer than that, but I was away from school for a while because they sent me to get counseling for depression at this program. And they were sending me my homework, but somehow, somehow I sent, still ended up failing for that year. And I had to go with this uh, math tutor who I ended up actually becoming close to as a male mentor because I don't have a father at home. So it's that kind of like the pseudo father figure that I had at the time. Hmm. Julian, you wanted to say something? Um, yeah, basically, like, my dad was always, like, when I would always work with him and doing, like, construction jobs, basically, and, uh, I would see my brother, he's a little bit younger than me, he just do something, like, completely wrong, and I'd be like, you know, like, he can get away with that, like, why can't I? Uh, and my dad would be like, Julian, just stop half-assing everything, like, constantly, like, that was always, like, the phrase, like, I was just always told that I was a lazy piece of shit, and I was half-assing everything, um, and it wasn't until, like, I got out of that environment when I was able to, like, figure out, like, no, I, I can be a productive person. It's possible. So. Mm. 
I think maybe um, Moses. Yeah, go for it, Moses. I'm sorry, but uh, Julian, is it possible to change your mic to the webcam? Because you turned on your webcam, but it actually didn't change the microphone. Um, oh, okay. Let me check that. The yeah. Settings. Your webcam may not have just like an inbuilt microphone. Or the alternative is to use like a mobile device phone for Discord. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were typing in the chat. Uh, hang on. Let's try. See, I'm not the only boomer. Wait, can you talk? Okay, now you're muted. Oh, uh, you know what? You may have to move. This is going to be kind of weird. Turn the webcam off, but move the webcam closer to you if you can. Uh, okay, do, do you have a phone? Oh, okay. <laughs> Does that have Discord? We can't hear you. Yeah, you're muted. I think he's going to try to connect with his phone. Yeah. Oh, oh saved. Okay, saved. beautiful. Poggers blessed. Poggers in the right. chat, boys. Good luck. <laughs> Strong work, Julian. Thank you. Thanks, Moses. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I think it just comes back, like, I'm just hearing this theme over and over again about, like, you guys are just not allowed to be yourselves. You know, wh yeah. whether it's whether it's race or whether it's, like, parental expectations or whether it's, like, mental health issues or, you know, like, religious beliefs or, or you know, and it, like, I mean, it starts so young. Like, I, don't, I, I really don't, I mean, I don't, I think that lazy piece of shit is just a poor diagnostic term. It's how mm -hmm. we feel because we don't understand what's going on, right? It's like telling someone who has cancer that they're weak because no one understands what cancer is. It's like there's something that's getting in the way of you being the person that like you can be. And, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. I'm kind of curious. I mean, what, what has been y'all's experience? So it sounds like for Raymond, it was like sort of liberating to sort of kind of find a diagnosis and get a sense of like, you know, some of the, the way that his brain is wired. What's it been like for you guys? What's been y'all's experience with sort of interacting with the mental health system? It's been, always been terrible. <laughs> I, I tried to keep therapy a lot growing up and most of my therapists told me that I should just try fitting in or just try being like everybody else. And my brother would look enough and I told him that they tell me that he tells me to stop seeing them. And, but I've learned, I listened to you recently when you said you should work with the therapist and let them know when what they're saying isn't helping you and try to have that proper dialogue with them. And now from my, like, if I pursue therapy in the future, I'll definitely try to do that. Previously, I did try to do that in some ways, but it didn't bear any fruit. And I feel like it was probably best for me to end those relationships like what I did, but definitely something to consider in the future. Well, what's yeah, um, um, it's been difficult. Uh, knowing that I'm bipolar feels like I have a permanent debuff, but it's working around that debuff that inspires me. Um, it gives me a lot of anxiety when I think about the future, especially. I think that's my number one problem as a person. I can't stop thinking about the future, and that scares me because I don't want to go manic again. And I'm afraid of going manic again, and I'm afraid of the feelings that come around 
being bipolar and I'm afraid of the results of those actions. Like, so for me personally, before I was diagnosed, I had a really bad manic episode and the, like the trauma behind that episode and the results of that episode still reverberate today. And so it's, it's liberating in the sense that now I know what's wrong with me and I get it and I totally understand that. And I'm working with a doctor to help that, but it's still, it still feels like a debuff. It still feels like a monkey on my back that I just can't get rid of. I'm wondering if I'm hearing like another th like point in the favor of it shouldn't be this way. Like that's another theme I've heard from you guys. What do you, how do you feel? It's about wrong that? feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't ask for this for sure. Like it certainly feels like, you know, I didn't ask for this shit, but and now it's like learning how to deal with that shit. What do you guys do when the world is just an unfair place and life is a shit game where you, you know, you got a randomly generated character and you're like, stats are all like warped. It's kind of make the best of it. Like, it is what it is. It's like, hell. So I went through a whole journey of finding myself since I was 13 through self-help. I got addicted to self-development and whatnot. And I was reading a lot of self-help books for a very long time. I fell into like Tony Robbins and reading books on like how to win friends. My first one I ever read was how to win friends to influence people. Fantastic book. Yeah. And. I would go on from there into reading The Alchemist, and that was my favorite book of all time, the book that really saved me for myself. And I would say that it was the thing I did when it rolled for like an unfair place was try to create a, a person that I would like to be, the person I could look up to, try to be the father to myself that I didn't have growing up. And it was through reading books and trying to look through art and listen to like people like Alan Watts or um, the book um, How's As a Man Thinketh by James Allen, uh, looking through for Help, looking for answers, I would say. It was through looking for answers that I tried to find, a, like, tried to find who I was and kept on putting myself out there. And I grew up very awkward because I didn't have that many friends and didn't know many people. So I challenged myself often to meet new people. And I, re I was really bad at talking to girls, especially. And my dating life was something that I wanted to get right. And it was through challenging myself to talk to girls and, and mess up over and over and over again and learn about it and learn to see them. First of all, see them as human beings because that's something that you're definitely not taught when you grow up in a toxic masculinity <laughs> household. But um, it was through learning that and having female friends and going through so many different things and learning to love, even if that, even if those people that you love hate you just because of the way you look, choosing to love them anyway, that's what really helped me and choosing to find things that I, makes me happy in my worst moments like music and art. So I, you know, I, I think it's, it's tricky because like on the one hand, I hear Eli talking. I'm curious what you guys think about this. And I hear him say, like, I taught myself to be the, you know, the father that I like to be my own father, to be, to be the father that I didn't have. And that sounds like so inspirational. And at the same time, I feel like it's like kind of crushing too. What do y'all, how do y'all feel about that statement? Or, I mean, it's, it seems significant to me. I'm but, curious if it was significant to you guys. Uh, I think like, obviously like, I resonate with that a lot. Cause I see that, like, I think about it a lot. Like I would. Just think about what things that could have been different about my childhood that I could change and be different. But the weird thing is, like, my dad probably had those same thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, um, his dad was, like, far worse than him, and, and he tells me about it, and he's, he's trying to be better, and I understand. Um, but mm -hmm. when I know that my dad also had similar thoughts, and, like, this is still the outcome, like, it kind of worries me a bit, like, for how I might turn out. Um, Mo, are you uh, worried about how there. you might turn out? All the time. All the time. Mm -hmm. um, Same. I got worried. I because I do everything in my power to not be my father, and I try my best to not fit into any mold. 
but it, it's difficult because I feel like I'm constantly trying to adapt. And I feel like I'm constantly trying to fit the needs of what I need at the moment in time. But it's difficult. I, I feel like sometimes I lose myself in the process. And I'm very scared of that. And I forget, like, what is the real me anymore sometimes. And it's difficult because I'm afraid of things like 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 childbirth and, like, being a father. Can I be a father with bipolar? I don't know. It's It's difficult. And those things really influence how I think a lot. What do you guys think? What do you guys think the real Mo is? I think Mo is an awesome person. He's yeah, really funny. <laughs> I know Mo. What, what, are what, what, what are y'all basing that on? Based well, upon how genuine he has been to me in just a few days I've known him. We spoke a little bit yesterday, and he's just a great person from like the few interactions we had. What like, makes him a great person? What about those interactions? <laughs> Is, um, I have a sister with bipolar depression, and, and he reminds me a lot of her. And, like, my sister is, like, a wonderful and joyful, caring person, and I love her very much. So, like, Mo exhibits a lot of those qualities, so I just, like, I think he's great. Same here with my brother. My brother also has bipolar disorder, and he's also <laughs> the same way in that way. Yeah. And uh, Mo, my sister also has kids. It's possible to be a parent with bipolar. Like, it's harder, obviously, but it's not possible. I'm going to cry. That meant a lot. Thank you, guys. Thank you, bro. <laughs> Thank you. What did that mean to you, Mo? That validation is really nice. Uh, that validation is super important. And, like, I don't hear it enough. I think the worst of myself. And I'm far too hard on myself. And I don't like that. I always think of the worst in the negative situations. And it's really nice to have that validation. Validation feels to me like an understatement. What do you feel, Mo? Give us another word for it. Or a lot of words that are all off the mark. Muted. Oh, I think muted. I feel justified. I feel like I'm a... I feel right. I feel accepted. I feel like I'm in a place where I'm supposed to be. When I hear those things, I feel like I'm doing something right. Um, and that's really it. It's It's... It's hard, and like I've always had love and appreciation from from other people, and I do my best to spread that around as well. And I mean, I call myself a great big hug because I try to be a great big hug all the time. And like, it's uh, sometimes you just need that reflection, and so it's nice because I want to believe that what I bring out into the world is coming back to me. I want to feel like I'm doing something right, and so when I get that validation, it really feels like I'm doing good. It means a lot when people give that validation when you have the child of childhoods that you and Mo and everyone here in this chat has had. And I've de- I'm someone who deals with like body dysmor- dysphoria, I think is what it's called, in the sense of like, mm-hmm. I didn't look the way I look now growing up and I get validation externally. I don't believe, I don't see myself the way the world sees me. And even when I got compliments growing up because of how, like, even when I did well at home with school, I didn't feel re- like the rewards, as I said, what didn't really outweigh the negatives. And now when I get compliments, I can never really like feel the joy of the compliment. The only time I've really felt seen was when my mentor told me that he sees how much I care about people. And it felt for the first time in my life that someone actually saw me for the person that I was. Because growing up, all I ever wanted to understand was why we hurt each other so much, why we can't spread love fully, and why we can't learn to love responsibly, and why we have to spread so much hate. So let me ask you guys something. What was it like to hear... Mo's response to what y'all said. It was beautiful. 
Yeah, that was really wholesome. I loved it. What was really wholesome about it? Well, like, um, I'm glad we could, like, give him, like, that validation. I guess. Well, you said it wasn't necessarily validation, but I'm glad, like, my experiences, uh, along with everyone else's, like, could help someone, like, understand themselves or, like, understand how people view them more. Because I struggle with that, like, a lot. Um, and I've only recently started, like, understanding how people view me. And I know how great that feels. So I'm glad we could, like, help Mo, like, experience that because it's great. Mm-hmm. Does anybody feel a little bit confused or left out of this exchange? Um, I wouldn't say I feel confused, but like, I, cause I, this is like a normal thing for me, but like, I'm just very emotionally detached in general. So like a lot of things just don't hit the same for me. Yep. And I don't, like, see things the same way. So that's just, like, normal for me. Yeah. What do you think about that, Akeem? Um, I, was, I was actually just thinking, like, I feel like I don't really... I don't really feel, like, a lot of the emotions that I think are probably there on the inside. But, like, I feel like listening to all of you guys... I feel like I'm, it's almost like getting a mirror that lets me get an idea of how I probably actually do feel about things because everything you're saying, like on some level, it feels like it relates and it makes sense. And I'm just like, okay, these are just things I can't see for myself for whatever reason. But when you guys say it, it all makes sense. And I'm like, okay, now it all ties together. This is what party XP looks like, by the way, guys. (laughs) Right. So I, I think this is why I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think individual work is really important, but I think that I can imagine that if I was speaking to any one of you one on one, we would have gone down a particular rabbit hole and, and, you know, hopefully it would have been helpful. But I think that there's something that you guys can give each other that I can't give you. Right. There's something about, you know, I can try to be a mirror. But I don't really know, and to a certain degree, I kind of know, but like, you know, I don't really know what it's like to grow up black. Minority, sure. Toxic masculinity, sure. A culture that sort of has very strict gender roles and ideas of, about what men should be, sure. You know, but I, I think that's, you know, part of that really is just humanity. Because it's not like toxic masculinity in a particular culture. It's like masculinity as a whole. Can yep. sometimes be toxic. Anything um, that you guys want to kind of explore further? I mean, we've been at it for a little over an hour. Anybody have questions for each other or for me? Or has anybody has anybody been told you're a smart guy? You're just lazy. Yeah, almost yes. weekly. Yes, all the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah, it's not your fault. You're a smart guy. You're just lazy all the time. What do you guys yeah. think about that? Uh, I question a lot if it's true. Like, uh, but then, like, I'll notice like my accomplishments, and I'll be like, yeah, like I'm kind of smart, and sometimes, you know, I'm not always stupid. <laughs> it it feels like a burden of expectation. 
Yeah. And it feels right. like it feels like I like, you know, I'm not at my true potential just because I'm lazy or I'm not at my true potential because these things are holding me back. But that's never the case. And that's why I always think it's just such bullshit whenever I hear that. I heard that so often growing up. I hate it. And it still pisses me off when I hear that. And it leaves this feeling that there's always something you should be doing. It makes what you do like what you're doing right now, even just relaxing, it can make you feel like it's never enough. And that sense of you're a smart guy, you're just lazy. It it's a pervasive and insidious killer in the sense that it makes even when you actually do work hard on something, you doubt if your full effort was really even put to it. And when you talk about procrastination as being the smart thing to do, Dr. K, it made me recognize that that's why most of my childhood, it became more and more the thing where I'd procrastinate more and more and more and more as years got, would go by because I'd find that my emotion my emotional state would be better the more I procrastinated simultaneously as the work ethic because yeah I would get a good grade on something I didn't even study on just because of the nature that I actually pay attention in class but that would leave a bad um habit to grow where I don't study or I don't do the premeditated work that needs to be done because of the fact that everyone tells me you're smart you're just lazy yeah I, I think I think smart but lazy is the most damning diagnosis someone can get because it leaves this idea that it's you have it within you to do it, but you're just fucking dumb. So you're not doing it. I mean, my take on smart but lazy, and, and I don't know if this is going to make sense. It just kind of an image popped into my mind. It's sort of like, have you guys played like a Wii? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's like it's like kind of like you guys are living life and everyone's telling you to use the buttons on the controller. But what you've really got is a Wiimote. And you have an entire input access that like other people aren't aware of. And sometimes you use the Wiimote the way it's supposed to be used and everyone's telling you to just hit the buttons. But when you excel, it's like because you're moving the Wiimote around. And there, there are just parts of you that you guys have not found yet. And, and so what happens is people see that you can absolutely perform at a very high level. And the problem is not that you guys are dumb. The problem is that you're not able to access that which you have been able to do before. Definitely. And, and so it's yeah. it's not really like, it's not that y'all are bad or dumb or lazy or anything like that. It's just there's something about the way that you work that y'all don't understand yet. Definitely. And I, I, would, I would be really careful about, you know, so I, I also kind of sympathize with Akin and sort of the idea of like, I'm going to prove myself and then dot, dot, dot. Right? Like, I want you guys to be really careful about the and then. Like Mo's like, I'm going to get my mental health in order and then maybe I'll have kids. Like be really careful about this idea that you're going to be ready to take the next step before you take the next step. You want to be confident in taking the next step before you take it. But I, I want you all to really tunnel down and like pay attention to what Raymond said and, and also what Eli has kind of mentioned is that like, he sort of takes the next step before he's ready. Like he just opens up the Word document. There's no amount of readiness. You know, you live life in a way that you're not ready to take the next step. You just take it. The other last thing that I want to tell you guys, I don't know if you'll know this, but you guys are really, really good at being thrust into situations that you're poorly prepared for, i.e. being life, being born in life as a black person, which no one prepared you for, Right? No. like we don't get prepared for the life that we get thrust into and like it's not just being born a black person it's just like being born now like we guys were born you know like with post boomer generation 
And it's like, this is what y'all have been thrust into. A world where like mental health is, is like climbing at a crazy rate. So when I started working with video game addicts, it's not really a great term, but can you, do you guys know what the percentage of people who are addicted to video games was? So I started working with back, back with them in 2016. Worldwide, what percentage of people do you guys think were addicted to video games in 2016? At least 5%. 5%, like, 5% yeah, is like spot on. See, look at that. You guys oh, are wow. great at this. What do you guys think <laughs> the percentage is four years later? Mm. 20. Is it still 5%? It's actually like 9%. So I'll take oh. the first one. But there are, so interestingly enough, Mo, in Iran, the addiction rate is close to 20%. No idea why. That's insane. Damn. Yeah. So like things are getting worse at a at a shocking rate. But I think I you know it's cool. Like I I think how can I say this? So uh, first of all, any questions? Anyone else want, want anything else to add? That was a great question, by the way, Mo. Just about you know being told you're smart, and lazy, because it's absolutely something that. And that's not. I mean, that has nothing to do with you guys being black. It has to do with us being on Twitch. It's like what we get told. Yeah, totally. Um, I I did have a question, uh, like related to the identity thing. So, like a lot of what you guys are saying is like you can't, you feel like you can't be yourself. Um, and it's interesting to me because all of the stuff that you're kind of being told that you have to be, I feel like I just internalized all those things, and like that is what I consider myself. Like people say I'm supposed to be smart. So I'm like, all right, I'm the smart guy. People say I'm supposed to be masculine. All right, then I'm going to be the stoic guy. So like, I don't even know how to draw the line between people's expectations of identity and what my identity actually is. I That makes me think of what Dr. K talked about. The analogy he used for what it's like for a trans person to be trans. And he said, what you can do is go into the bathroom and wear all male clothes and well no female clothes well wear um women's clothes wear a dress wear a bra and see how you that makes you feel and you feel really uncomfortable that's how a trans person feels you look in the mirror every single day i think of when people gave me those compliments and told me those things about myself i felt really uncomfortable because i just didn't feel like that's who i was because the reality that i was living didn't feel like it resembled the things i was being told and the way other people perceived me and i'm not even I'm someone who's like has a really balanced energy between masculine and feminine femininity. And I find that my experience has been that the more masculine that people made me feel that I had to be, the more uncomfortable I was, especially the more I tried to force myself to be that person, especially in dating. It's like the feeling that you have to be hyper masculine to get women to be into you. It was a thing that I struggled with for a very long time until I became 17. I was really having a proper dialogue with women in my life. And being able to understand that the best thing I can do for myself is be a better version of myself. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. What do you guys think about, uh, you know, Akeem talking about, like, how do you know where you exist when, when you sort of form your opinions of, of, about yourself based on expectations? It's like you become the expectation. That's what you think you are. Is that something that you guys have experienced before or struggled with? I have like a lot recently. Um but like before like 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 within the past year I've been like kinda of working on it and trying to figure out like what kind of is my place in the world, who I am, like what my 
dynamic is in like a friend group and everything and um and it was fine until like i think my therapist basically told me don't worry about that like if the, the people around you didn't want to be around you like you don't have to worry about like if they didn't want to be around like they just wouldn't so you don't have to worry about like how you fit in and where your place is you can just find it because no one hopefully knows like how exactly like other people perceive them and what they expect you know um and i was talking to like my uh, really close friend spencer and uh, we were talking about like that idea of like who we are and identity he was like trying to explain to each other like um who we think each other are but when we did we both realized like we just have vastly different ideas of who we think the other person is so like we no one really knows it's kind of just a guessing game Does anybody have a sense? So it sounds like um, Eli's done a lot of kind of exploration and sort of discovering who he is. Um, I'm curious, does anybody else have a sense of like, do you guys feel like you know who you are? I feel I feel pretty confident in my self-image sometimes, but it's difficult when it doesn't mesh well with other people's sense of who I am as a person. I feel like I conflict a lot with others when someone sees me coming from a traditional African family, then but I'm not so traditional myself, then I, I feel like that's where I struggle with a lot. It's just How did you not... find out who you are, Mo? Uh, my Lord, um, through a lot, um, through going to university, through meeting and dating so many different people, um, through experiencing different traumatic events in my life, through, you know, so many different experiences that I think shaped myself, including my bipolar disorder. Like, I, I think someone asked me a question recently where would you want more or less pain in your childhood? But I think without that pain, I wouldn't have been the same person that I am now. Um, so it's difficult. It's, it's, I think I would say I truly discovered myself at the time I found my bipolar disorder. That's, that's where I would kind of like tie it all in. Yeah, so, you know, I hope the takeaway there isn't the road to finding yourself is to get diagnosed with bipolar disorder. No, 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 definitely not. I'm giving you shit, man. So I, I think, I think, I think the, the key thing there is that, you know, so I think for people who are trying to figure out who you are, I think we, we can hear from uh, kind of Eli and Mo is that like, first of all, and also Raymond too, because I get the sense that he's getting a real handle on it now, is I, I hope you guys hear that these are incredibly individual journeys and like, what the fuck did you guys expect when it comes to finding out who your unique identity is? You think that there's a standard formula for it? Like the whole point is that it's individual, right? Like it's your identity. It's no one else's right. identity. So why is anyone else's story? Like you can learn how to write poetry and talk to women. You can get diagnosed with ADHD and, and start to like, you know, have a job and work in boardrooms, or you can get diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Like those are all equally good answers. And I think, Akin, you know, the challenge is that that doesn't really give you a way forward because I, get, I guess on some level what I'm hearing between reading the lines between your question is like, how do I find out who I am? Because you've noticed that your sense of self is based, it's built upon the expectations of others, but that's not who you are, right? And then you're like, then how do I find who I am? So maybe this is where I can teach you guys a particular meditation practice. Um, and so we'll do that in a second. But if it's okay with you guys, I'd like to just try to summarize a little bit about what I heard today. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just need a second. 
which now I wonder whether that's going to be like a, an emote that is racist towards Indian people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's what I learned today. Thank you guys very much. We'll see you all next time. <laughs> uh, so let me just think about this. All right. So like, I'm going to start with, all right, this may not make a whole lot of sense because I'm just looking at random things that I jotted down. So I'm going to start with it shouldn't be this way. Like that's where it starts, right? That you guys were each thrust into life with various amounts of debuffs and on hard mode. And it just, it just shouldn't be this way. Agreed. And, and, and you know, like, like that you guys were, so, so I, I don't know that you guys were really allowed. I mean, it's almost like you guys, you know, rolled the stats of a fighter and you were given like a wizard staff and a, a set of robes. And then you were like, like told to live life. And this is where like identity and expectation. That is so accurate. That is so accurate. Oh God, that's so accurate. Right. Um, and, and so it's like kind of hard because you guys are like sitting there on like level one and you're like, what the fuck is this stick? Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, so so this kind of goes back to the idea of like, you know, playing the game with a Wiimote instead of a regular controller and being called smart but lazy because it's like everyone's, you know, you're running around with the stick and you're, you know, meleeing people with it when the stick is designed to cast <laughs> spells and you're just, you're a different character and like you were born to use a sword. And and so I, I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of like expectation that was thrust on you guys, everything from religious expectations around what mental health is to really kind of invalidating, and I don't really like that word, but like really just you guys being not allowed to be the person that you are. And what I'm hearing mm -hmm. from many of you guys is that you guys had to fight for each inch of ground. Like I'm thinking, like I'm imagining y'all's lives as like World War II trench warfare, where it's like every foot that you gain is like gained with like blood and sweat. Yes. You know, and, and it sounds like Eli's mom is super supportive, but it doesn't sound like she started that way. You know, that was like, like, you guys have to carve out your space in the world. Um, and whether that's holding back the way that you talk around your peers because they literally wouldn't understand you or trying to tell your dad, like, what you want to do in life. And, like, he tells you that you've become a waste of everything that all of his sweat and toil if you choose to be the person that you are like what the fuck man right or for for people in your life who have been very very lazy in terms of their invalidation of you the lazy ones just called you smart but lazy right they didn't even they didn't even like take the time of day to to invalidate you as a person in a very specific and thoughtful way they were just like you're so fucking lazy why can't you just be better? Just be better at yeah. life, Akeen. <laughs> Stop just sucking. No. Just be better, bro. Right? And and so th then I kind of get to this, like, you know, I think we kind of get into this idea of, like, building your identity and the expectations that people put on you, whether it's playing a game and, like, not being able to use voice chat or, you know, I've been having this question in my mind. Like, I don't even know. Can I mean, I assume people can tell that you're black based on your voice over voice chat. Yes. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it's yeah. more about your cadence. It's about the cadence of which you, in which yeah. you speak, and that's part of caricature as well. And you already understand. Like, I think you understand that 
when when you when the caricature has been perpetuated for such a long time, they will immediately assign the cadence in which you speak from that caricature to you. Yeah. So like, you know, it, it comes back to this sense of like, you know, being like not being able to be yourself in the world, which you know starts with your parents and even like even like manifests in the gaming community. And so so then I get the sense of of, you know, I think we see a couple of things that come up. The first is exhaustion. That you guys just have to do shit that like other people don't have to do, or or maybe other people do have to do it. Maybe that's unfair to other people, but I, I'm just getting a layer of additional effort. Like, let's forget about other people, but that you have to do, right? That like I, you know, when I log on to Discord, I really don't think about, you know, what how I sound, and I don't have to spend time thinking about that. Um, and you know, when I the only time I spend thinking about it is when I'm having fun, like when I start talk, talking like Texan, you know, we can do that. And, you know, so you can you can play a game of Doters or LOL, Legal <laughs> Agents. Y'all play Legal Agents? Legal yeah. Agents is great. Aaron Day. <laughs> and, and so, you know, so like that's been my experience of my voice and it's been an overwhelmingly positive thing. And so I'm, I'm hearing you guys just really, so there's like this idea of like who you are and who the world wants you to be. And, and walking that tightrope is just exhausting. Mm -hmm. and and at the worst it's like painful and and really like I, I i'm really glad that mo took the time to dig in and and think about what validating means because it's not validating it's like he used the word justified yeah. like what justified what justified his fucking existence as oh. a person and who he is and not to be labeled or like you guys were like, yeah, man, you deserve to like be on this earth and we're okay with the person that you are. That's what that was. That's not validation. That's justification of existence. Which what I hear from you guys is not something that you'll get on a daily basis. And, and this also, I think, does race have a, a piece to play here? Absolutely. I think you guys really, you know, drew the short end of the stick in the world that we live in today. And at the same time, I think that's also something that is not unique to black people. Right. I mean, I think that smart but lazy people who don't deserve to be alive is like pretty much describes our community and that's who we are. And and that's tough. It's like it's fucking exhausting. And so then I think now we get into the part that I think is really, really tricky, which is like, you know, this idea that you're a lazy, lazy piece of shit and that you have to prove it. And I'd be careful because there's a part of me that really like that rubs me the wrong way when you guys try to like prove it, quote unquote. I don't even know what I mean by that, but that's what I feel. Because I think what you're trying to prove is not the person that you are, but the person that people want you to be. Want you to be. Mm -hmm. And I think you guys got to be really careful about that. Right? If, if it's the person that you want to be fine, but if it's, if it's like proving to yourself that you can be that which people expect you to be, you got to be careful. And I'm basically talking mostly to Bikin here, but also all of you guys. But like, you know, that's who I'm kind of thinking about. I think his statements really made me kind of think about that. I think all, we all face that too. Mm -hmm. And so then the question becomes, how do you figure out like who you are? And it's absolutely an individual journey. And I, I think the main thing that I'm hearing is that the main different, the main common thread between, and I'm just going to kind of reference Eli, Raymond, and Mo, because I think that's where I heard, heard it, is they paid attention to their experiences and they paid attention to their experiences with their own eyes and with their own ears and the, with their own feelings, instead of interpreting their experiences through the lens of 
stigma, society, and expectation. And it's, I hear this shit and it, it still boggles my mind every time I hear it. But like get, getting diagnosed as mentally ill is like a positive thing. But Raymond felt it was liberating and like, you know, Mo getting like this diagnosis felt like he started the process of understanding who he is, which doesn't mean that mental illness is like a good thing, but I, I just, it's weird and I don't really know how to make sense of it. But I, I do think, I mean, I've talked to, when I used to do consult psychiatry, so this is like a psychiatrist who works in a hospital, like in a medical hospital. And I like worked on the oncology floor and people would say this weird shit, like cancer is the best thing that ever happened to me. And I'm like, dude, what are you saying? Like, how can that possibly be? And I think like, you know, in a gamer analogy, there's like, there's XP to be gained there. Right. And it's really about learning and, and paying attention and like thinking through your own journey. Um, and, and then at the end of the day, I think though, that, that identity, and now we come to our meditation exercise, identity can be found. I, I do believe that, that there's an individual journey, but there are also some practices that you can get a sense of like who your truest form of identity is. Because the, the people in the East sort of had this clear idea that like our identity is something very pure. They use the word divine. And, and that at the core of our being, like if you slough off all of the expectations and all of the bullshit, what you see is what people saw in Mo and what Mo felt which is something like pure and beautiful and divine. And it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what diagnosis you have. It doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter how you sound, but there's just something incredibly like pure and perfect underneath all of it. I believe that. And so then the question becomes, how do we find that? Well, now I'm going to teach you guys a particular meditation technique. <laughs> Let's go. That's fine, brother. Okay. About that time, brothers. So this is something I've taught before, but I, I think, you know, I'm, I sometimes reteach things. So I, I don't know if you guys have encountered this, but I want you all to sit up straight. I want you to close your eyes. So I, I'd also encourage you guys to adopt um, Bhairava Mudra, which is this. So right hand and left, you can put your thumbs together. And then go ahead and put it in your lap so your arms are kind of like a loose circle. And then close your eyes. And just feel the person that you are for a second. Just notice yourself. Right? So notice your body, maybe a particular facial expression, maybe a crinkling of the eyebrows, a slight smile. Maybe a little bit more of a bigger smile. Just notice who you are. And this is going to sound kind of weird, but like, where do you feel yourself? You know, where is that you-ness? Like, where do you exist? Maybe kind of a weird question. It doesn't make sense. Not a big deal if it doesn't. You may also notice your thoughts. So take a moment to notice that weird ass thing that we call the mind, just all the random thoughts that it generates. And sometimes how you feel like those thoughts become truth and that the thoughts can be devastating. And that at time, those thoughts become you or you become thoughts, you merge with them. 
I'm a bad person. I'm a stupid person. You know, they're, I'm a waste of space. I'm a lazy piece of shit. And now I want you guys to look for a second. Like, do, can you find the lazy piece of shit within you? Like, in this moment, can you find the part of yourself that is a lazy piece of shit? Look for it. Where is it? What, is it? what does it look like? What does it feel like? Can anybody find it? I'm going to ask you guys to speak. I can find it. Okay. So, so, uh, so it sounds like Eli can. Some people can't. Akeen, what about you? Maybe a little. Maybe a little. We'll take it. Right. So Eli, can you tell us what the lazy piece of shit feels like to you? The first thing that came to mind. The first thing that came to mind was the child. So I have this thing in my head constantly since I've been a kid was I feel like the kid that I was, the only thing that I really needed was a hug. And in my mind, the person that came to mind was the kid that was scared of the world and I was crying. And I think that is that part of myself. Okay. Great. Thanks for sharing. So now what I want you guys to do is keep go back to eyes closed. So feel that circuit between your arms and kind of the linking. Notice your breath. And I want you to notice the inhalation and the exhalation, preferably through the nose. But exhalation through the mouth is okay if you really feel like it. Now, without holding your breath, I want you to zero in on the moment where inhalation becomes exhalation. Notice that there's a discrete inhalation and a discrete exhalation, and then there's something in between. I'm going to give you guys a few seconds to just breathe and notice. And now as you find that space between inhalation and exhalation, Put yourself fully into it. And then in that space, try to notice who you are. Who exists in the space between inhalation and exhalation? We'll practice for about 30 seconds, 60, let's give it a minute.
Now let your awareness slowly return to January 8th, 2020. Let your name return to you. Let your location return to you. When you're ready, slowly open your eyes. Would anyone like to share some reflections or their experience of the practice? Yeah, it felt really chill. Um, I guess the point where you were asking um, the moment between the inhale and the exhale, it was like a parabola and there was like a range between, um, sometimes it was closer to the inhale, sometimes it was closer to the out, out, um, exhale. And also when you um, asked me, uh, who was that person at that moment in time? It was just a guy breathing. It wasn't myself. It wasn't Raymond. It wasn't Spazan. It wasn't, um, it was just a guy breathing. That's that's how it felt. It, I, I liked it. Thanks, Dr. K. You're welcome, Raymond. Did other people sort of have a similar experience, different experience? I've been having, um, I've been meditating recently, especially I've been after I started feeling better way before all the Black Lives Matter protests have been gone recently. I've been having this disassociated feeling from the madness of the world, being able to recognize that I'm a being above and outside of that. And I feel that again very strongly right now, especially after this entire stream. I didn't even recognize how much better I would feel after talking about all these things and I guess getting them out of my head without realizing how much of a problem they've been for me for mm -hmm. such a long time. And I feel a lot of peace in this moment. I I feel anxiety in that in between. In that moment in between that inhale and that exhale, I feel scared. I feel it's just I, I don't know. It's I don't know if I like that in between moment. I like the inhaling and the exhaling because it's there it's like concrete sure. and it's like constant but i it's it's that pausing that moment in between that scares me i think that's completely fair man it is it can be a very scary place to be for some people doesn't mean you're doing it wrong doesn't necessarily mean you need to continue doing that practice but thanks for sharing Of hard to explain, like you're muted, like the, the shift, like like a transmission. Oh, whoops, yeah, yeah, go for it. You, we can hear you now. Maybe just speak up. Oh, mute it again. <laughs> it's kind of hard to uh. <laughs> maybe bring the phone closer to you. Yeah, I can I can pick it up. Is that better? Yeah. Great. All right. Um so for me I kind of saw like the shift like and like shifting gears and then like the breath like returning um and exhaling. Um and it just like it, I was able to like just reflect on myself a lot and how I view myself. Which it was a really like positive experience. Um 
because I think I've gotten a lot better. Like, I'm a more happy person. I feel better about myself. And so it was kind of just helping, like, reinforce that fact, and I really enjoyed it. So thank you. Akeen, you don't have to speak, but, you know, you're, <laughs> it's kind of weird. I mean, I don't want you to feel pressured to speak if you don't want to. But. Um, I guess... Uh, it, it, at that moment of like between inhale and exhale, um, and like you asking, what do you feel about yourself, or like who do you feel you are at that moment? And I guess the only image that came to my mind was just like a very, I don't know, just I guess I just felt like very grand and like powerful and i don't know if that's like i mean that's kind of the thing that i always wonder about um in terms of identity like i persistently have that perception of myself but then i also feel like that is also comes a lot from what people have generally always expected from me so i'm always like is that actually how i feel about myself or is that just like me trying to fit a role so i just always go back into that question in my mind but i don't know mm. yeah so akeen i i think you have a lot of teasing apart to do right so the way that i would interpret what you said and we can go through and kind of interpret everyone's different responses but let's start with you and go in reverse order so in your case, I think that you've always had a sense of, for lack of better terms, your divinity. The problem is that your the expectations that people place upon you and the expectations that you place upon yourself turn that pure divinity into grandness. They hijack it. Like, because here's the thing is they've expected great things from you and you felt greatness within you. And so you've just lumped those two things together where they actually need to be completely separate. And it's, it's going to be a hard road, but like it really involves teasing apart that which you feel about yourself from that which you expect yourself to be. Okay. But I'd encourage you to keep doing it. I think before that was Julian. Yeah. And Julian, you had said, what, remind oh. me again? Yeah, so it was just like, um, it was a moment for me to like, be like very insightful about like how I view myself and, and um, re-emphasize like the, or how do I say this, um, kind of co-sign those like in my own mind, like, so I, I thought like generally like nice things about myself and like what I know from like what people told me and everything. Um, and I was kind of just like reaffirming those feelings um, just while I was just thinking um and just trying to like i could feel like just happier and i could feel i felt like more complete you know yeah like, good so i i think just let yourself continue to like drink the water from that well right okay. and and like as people have other expectations and you have thoughts about yourself and like whether it's positive or negative just like don't let go of that source you know and let it just continue to fur like you know water your fields and like whatever other nature analogy you want <laughs> Um, I, Mo, in your case, I think it's completely fine for you to feel anxious. So 
Sometimes raw experiences of self can be incredibly anxiety provoking and untethering. I'm not sure that you had a raw experience of self, but that absolutely happens. So I think in your case, you may just want to have a practice that really anchors you to the present and anchors like is like, so this is a more abstract or untethering practice. It's actually designed to like, te like remove yourself from all of the things that you think you are and just find kind of a pure part of you. And I think the interesting thing, Mo, is that I think a lot of your growth has been in finding anchors with your life. And I don't think that you're ready to let go of those yet, which I don't think you should because they're good anchors for you. So if you need to stick with the inhalation and exhalation, by all means, stick with the inhalation and exhalation. Keep going, keep walking the road that you're on because it feels to me like it's on you know the right direction. You can absolutely have kids one day. You know, it's, it's like, I mean, I, I know a lot of people who have bipolar disorder and have children. Some of their kids struggle too, but like they're, they're happy stories. Like I'm thinking about one person in particular who kid had a lot of problems. They had a lot of problems. They're both doing fantastic now. Um, and now they have grandkids who are doing great. That's beautiful. Thank you, you doctor. Know, it's like, it absolutely happens, man. Um, you know, Eli, I think, I think it's amazing that you've done, I, you know, when I heard you kind of talk about that child within yourself, I think it's clear to me that you've done a lot of growth and you've done a lot of exploration and that you can sort of feel the sum scar for lack of a better term of like, you know, the piece of shit within you and, and to recognize that like that piece of shit is not who you are, but is a piece of you that needs you to take care of it. And I think it's sort of aligned with what you were saying earlier about like teaching yourself to be like the father that you needed. Um, interestingly enough, my, my teacher taught me a very specific practice to do that, which was sort of like the search. My teacher gave me this practice for the search for inner guru. So to like find a teacher within you so that you need no external teachers. So I think you should just do whatever, whatever shit you're doing and you've been doing, just keep at it, bro. So I think it's like, <laughs> okay. you know, it sounds like it's a, it's a good um, journey. And then uh, Raymond, I think, you know, when I teach this practice and be careful because this is going to be loaded. Um, what I hope, what I imagine people will experience or what I hope people will experience is actually the closest to what you described. Like this sense of the parabola and the up and down doesn't mean that it's right. That's not the point of meditation. But I, I, of all of the people in this group, I would encourage you to continue doing this practice the most. Because okay. I, I think that just something about the way that you described it is like, uh, yeah, maybe. The, I mean, you got all y'all can do it, everyone except for Mo. But, you know, I, I, I think that in terms of just the way that you described it, I think it's the closest description to what I think you will gain more from. And it's not to say that other people can't do it or won't gain a lot. And you definitely don't want to make a decision after like, you know, three minutes of a meditation practice, right? So, but, but I, I think just the way that you lost yourself in the parabola is something that, let me put it this way. Other people who I have taught this practice who have described something similar have gone on to gain a lot from it. That's the way I should describe it. It says nothing about the rest of you guys. It just means that I've heard other people describe that and then they've, they've gotten a lot out of continued practice. So overall guys, thank you so much for coming on and, and, you know, sharing y'all's perspectives. Um, 
I, it's, it's been amazing to hear your story and also like sad, to be honest, to hear what you guys have had to deal with. Um, and yeah, just tiring, tiring more than anything else. And I'm, I'm glad that y'all are a part of the community and like, I think it's been amazing to, to listen to you guys. And I'm grateful that y'all have decided to come on here today and, and try to share a little bit about yourselves and help, help us out. Thank you, Dr. K, as well. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, for having thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, man, good yeah. work, guys. We really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And good luck to you as well. Thank you. I'm going to hang you. up. Thank you. Right. Adios, guys. Bye. 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 Okay. Oh. All right. So that was fun helpful i hope that was helpful to you guys as well yeah man it's tough dude it's tough life ain't easy it's a hard game hard game to play really hard for some people um yeah i think it's been tough but you know those guys are strong and i i I felt, yeah, I just have to process for a second. It surprises me how, um, it surprises me like how individual our journeys can be and how common our problems and struggles are. Like we can all share the same challenges and there's a lot to be gained from each other. And at the same time, it's so interesting to see like how, you know, different people's growth and progress is so wildly, um, you know, how it, it's so similar and then everyone's journey is so unique. And I think it's really cool when like, you know, I guess I'm just sort of envisioning a couple of years ago, I, I went to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And it, it was cool because like, you know, you, you meet certain people and then you hike with them for a while and you're on the same road side by side for like two days. And then, you know, they decide to leave early the next morning and then you're kind of like by yourself again. And both of you guys are on your own journey and you can really share it and resonate with someone and really be with someone for some time. And then you have to go off on your own path. And and just hearing those guys, that's kind of what I felt. Like it just reminded me of Kilimanjaro and like that each of these people are walking their own path, but like sometimes, you know, the steps look really similar. And I hope that you guys learned something or gained something from hearing about their path and, and maybe you can, you know, walk yours a little bit better or even just keep walking after hearing theirs. Um, and it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, they came on and I'm glad that you guys show up to listen. And, um, yeah. <laughs>